Hey, hey, welcome to the Wildcast. Uh, tune in for my interview with Rabbi Michael Shudrick. He is the chief rabbi of Poland to be able to hear what's happening on the ground with the literally millions of refugees from Ukraine pouring into Poland. Take a listen, listen to what Rabbi Shudrick and the Polish Jewish community is doing in real time. Okay, welcome to the Wildcast. Uh, I want to welcome my friend uh, and colleague, Rabbi Michael Shudrick, who I want to thank in advance. He is a very, very busy man in general, and now, given what's going on, incredibly busy. So, Rabbi Shudrick, thank you so much for giving us of your time. And, and, and A pleasure as always. Really, really appreciate it. For those of you unfamiliar, Rabbi Shudrick is the chief rabbi of Poland, and he's got an incredible history um, of living in Warsaw for many, many years. Uh, back in the 70s, he led Jewish groups to these, uh, not just uh, Poland, but many Eastern European countries. He's also served as the chief, as the rabbi of Japan's Jewish community back in the 80s. And uh, since 2004 has become the, has been the chief rabbi of Poland. He also serves as the official liaison between the Jewish community in Poland with the Polish government and the Catholic Church. And um, he does incredible work to protect and preserve mass grave sites, including more than 1,400, yeah, 1,400 cemeteries and the six concentration camps that are in Poland from the Second World War. Most importantly, he is the father of our dear friend and MGE leader, Ariana Shudrick. <laughs> it's the only um, thing that's important to know. Yeah, well, you know, once all that, all that resume stuff is irrelevant compared to our children. So thank you for joining us. Tell us what's happening on the ground. You're on the border uh, with the Ukraine. You're in Poland. There are refugees pouring in. What's going on? Okay. So, I mean, many people have, have, are watching, you know, different television stations, so have some general idea what's happening. So let me take it down to more like the personal level. And that is when a person decides to leave the Ukraine now, what does that mean? It's not like you go to your travel agent and you book a flight. There are no planes anymore. Anything flying can get shot down. Uh, uh, so the first decision is, do you want to leave some of the family behind? Because men between the ages of 18 and 60 have been drafted into the military, which makes sense under such a horrible war. So in order to have soldiers, you know, there's a mass conscription, 18 to 60, you cannot leave the country with certain very rare exceptions. And so almost everyone that leaves has the decision, who am I ready to leave behind? Mm -hmm. A husband, a son, a father. And sometimes it's elderly parents who can't be moved. I'll come back to that in, in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a horrible decisions. Yeah. And yet some people make that decision, some Jewish people, some non-Jewish people, something like close to 2 million people have already entered Poland. Uh, but that, that's that. And then you have to make the trip to the border, which again is by bus. I just met someone today, elderly, 90 something years old, 24 hours, over 24 hours on a bus from one side of Ukraine to the other. And these are not beautiful Greyhound buses, mind you. Right. Uh, and yet they decide to make the trip and then crossing the border. Now it's going much faster, but in the first days, it was a backup of up to three days, 72 hours waiting at the border, sometimes already out of the bus on your feet in the cold. 
And where are they in those 72 hours? They're just outside? They're standing at the border. They're just standing at the border. And hopefully someone's got water and hopefully someone's got some kind of way to keep warm. Uh, are, there, are there any groups at the Ukrainian border providing those services? Or Okay. The first few days, no. Now, increasingly, yes. Uh -huh. And now also the wait time has gone way down. There's actually not even a website you can check to figure out which 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 uh, crossing point to go to, there are something like eight crossing points from Ukraine in, into Poland. Uh, some of them are very easy to get to because there's still trains going very close. Other mm -hmm. are very difficult to get to, but have no waiting time. And, and before so, we get into Poland, just in the Ukraine, how safe or unsafe is it for people? I mean, I, to, to get to the border. Okay. The answer is nobody knows. Mm -hmm. The answer is, as far as I've heard, pretty much anyone who's tried to get to the border has gotten there so far. Thank God. But because mm -hmm. Putin is a mass murderer, uh, any time he could start bombing the trains. Mm -hmm. He bombs a maternity hospital. He bombs the theater. He could bomb the trains. Why not? Yep. So you just never know. That's the problem. You never know. Um, to use a bad expression, it's kind of playing Russian roulette. Yeah. Roulette. Uh, so, so far, the, it, the, it hasn't, it's been arduous, tiresome, sometimes sitting on the floor. But in terms of being attacked, to the best of my knowledge, maybe one was attacked, but basically not. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm repeating myself, that can change in any moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so now they get to the border, and you said that there are over two million that have gotten. And and what are you what are you involved in? Are you trying to help the Jewish people? Are you working with everyone? Okay. Let me back up mm -hmm. because there was a lead up to this, right? Putin was massing forces on the border for several weeks before President Biden was saying he's going to attack. Some people believe, some people didn't believe. I took the attitude is that something bad may really happen. Now, my wildest dreams, no pun intended, Rabbi Wild, um, I, um, I never imagined it was going to be this bad. And I think most people never imagined it would this, be this bad. But something probably bad was going to happen, and it, it could have triggered um, a flow of refugees. And kind of like what was in my head was what... Uh, what Chazal says about vidui, confessing before you die, it says one should confess to God before one dies, and better to confess and not die than to die and not confess. <laughs> so I felt better to prepare for the refugees, and it won't be necessary, than to have them streaming over the border and to be completely unprepared. So already a week before the war began, I was talking to Jewish leaders about, we have four different sites throughout Poland, in, outside of Warsaw, Kazimierz Dolny, Lublin, in, in Lodge, in Wuj, uh, where the community owns facilities with beds. So we can actually house refugees if it came to it. And I said, are you guys ready to simply not take commercial clients, not to use it for our own retreat center and now make it for re refugees? And of course, everybody said, absolutely, yes. And we probably at this point have over 300 refugees living there, wow. uh, being supported by ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's one thing. That was already before. And, and then on the second day of the war, uh, 
we had we called a meeting of all the Jewish organizations in Poland. And yes, we have a whole bunch of Jewish organizations in Poland because we're Jewish and Jews have organizations. <laughs> or sometimes we have this organization. Uh, and we said, no more organizations. Now we're one team. Wow. We just work together. All of them. And That's the first wonderful. thing we did is we came out with this. I know this is this is my idea of screen sharing. Sorry, it's not very sophisticated. <laughs> it's okay. But I don't speak, see, we don't speak Polish anyway, so it doesn't matter. Well, but what, actually, what is, yeah. What it's does also, it say? It's also in Ukrainian and Russian, just to help you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Actually, there is one line there in English, but that phone number Chesed, yeah. is a hotline. Uh huh. That phone number is a hotline where people already somehow today with social media. And, uh, and the Ukrainians are quite savvy when it comes to social media. Mm -hmm. They've no, they know this number. They call the number from one side of the border when they get over the border and we're able to direct them. They'll say, we're a group of seven. We just crossed this border crossing. We need transportation to somewhere. And, and we, have, we have minivans waiting at the border, going back and forth to wherever they have to go. That, that we had up and run, running almost within 24 hours. And we've been able to help. I don't, I don't even know how many people. If you had to guess, uh, if you had to guess, how I'm many sorry? people? If you had to guess, how many people would you say you brought in those vans? Some hundreds, some hundreds, if not wow. more. Wow! Uh, and you know, because we're in the midst of this crisis, so we, we created what we call the crisis management center. Mm -hmm. Now, I'd like just to stop for a moment. That, um, sorry. No, please do what you have to just do. Half a second. Talk. Sorry. No. My assistant's on vacation. It's already a quarter to six. So it's just, okay, it's all good. Any other calls you need to take? Don't worry, please. Yeah. Um, that's the good thing of not being live. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, so, a, it's actually better. I want people to feel, I want people to sense that you took... 30, 40 minutes out of your schedule to talk, you know, it's taking away from other things. So do what you have to do, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's the, you know, the, re okay. So, uh, so we, we created, and I want to reflect. So we created a, a crisis management center, right? All of us together. We came out with a hotline. It's now in the building next door to the shul. And it says that to reflect for a moment because we Polish Jews for the last several hundred years, we, have been the crisis. Right. Now you're the salvation. Now, now you're the salvation. Now we're the, now we're the management center. That's crazy. For hundreds of years, Jews have fled out of Poland. Now Jews are fleeing into Poland. Yeah, yeah. And this creates a special responsibility for the Jewish community and for individual Jews. And I have to say, the community is really doing an amazing job. So what are we doing? So first of all, housing. So we have over 300 people in the four facilities. People are taking... People are taking refugees into their homes, home hospitality. Uh, we are now renting as much as we can uh, short-term apartments so people have a place to stay. Uh, we, we really, I don't know how, and it's not only us, but the entire country, uh, there, I don't think there's one refugee sleeping on the street. Wow. They've turned, you know, uh, school gymnasiums into dormitories, and somehow it's all happening. Uh, Anyone who wants to have kosher food can come to our kosher kitchen and have lunch. Any, anyone who has children in Warsaw can go to the Jewish school, the Lodomar Asha school, uh, tuition-free. The Hillel has converted itself into a day center for mothers and with little children. They can come and be together in a safe, warm environment. Uh, again, realizing that it's basically everyone coming out are mothers and children. 
and some elderly. So that you're not and seeing everybody's so, got somebody. So you're I'm not sorry? so you're not seeing um, men from the ages of what twenty to fifty. 18, 18 to 60. 18 to 60, wow. So it's all moms, children, it's elderly. It's moms and little kids, or teenage kids, teenage kids and elderly. Too. Wow. So And, and you, Rabbi, you said that you started planning for the refugees before the actual invasion. Um, were, did, did people start leaving before? I, I, a lot of people... Not are, really. Not to the best of my and knowledge. And why is that? How come if people kind of, I don't know, you know, it's, this is all in hindsight, but... They were, you know, Putin was amassing, you know, significant forces on the Ukrainian border from Russia. Why, why didn't why didn't people start leaving earlier? Okay, because I think I, I I'm not an expert on that question, but mm -hmm. the, to the best of my understanding is that people did leave Eastern Ukraine for Western Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. No, it's as if someone wanted to attack Georgia, right. so you flee to Iowa. You don't expect them to bomb Iowa when they want to go after Georgia. Right. In other words, what, what Putin was saying is that these two eastern provinces were really Russia. He's going he has to protect them. Everybody thought he would take it back. He more or less had half of it already in the last few years, Donetsk and Lutsk. And, and nobody thought he'd be bombing Kiev, be laying siege to Mariupol. He'd be going after Lvov. Nobody thought that. Right. I mean, no, not, I'm sorry, not nobody. Right. Most people. Almost nobody. Right. And, and so it, right. it's, you know, it, it's a bad, bad example, but I'll use it anyway. When people left, fled Germany in 1935-36, and they settled in Belgium, and Holland, and France, who how are they supposed to know that in 19, and then in 1940, they would be attacked? Yeah, I know. I Listen, my grandparents on my mother's side, uh, my mother was born in Liechtenstein, okay, because they were from Germany. And my grandparents left Germany and they went to Liechtenstein because it was connected to Switzerland. Switzerland is neutral. Uh, Hitler's not, they ended up coming to the United States because they thought Hitler was coming there, but that was only later. It's all easy in hindsight. Yeah. So it's easy to see in hindsight that, oh, we should have realized, but yeah, yeah. in this case, there was really no way to realize. And, and, and our, 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 um, our, a lot of, where are they going now? The Jews that are floating into the, I mean, I, I know it's been very recent, so people don't know it eventually, but are are they making their way to Israel? Are they coming to the United States? Are they planning on staying in Poland? Okay. Um, as, as I see right now, and everything is very fluid, I see three groups of Jews. Mm -hmm. One, those who want to make Aliyah. And those who want to make Aliyah, they're taken care of by the Sochlut, the Jewish agency. The Sochlut has rented now four hotels in the Warsaw area. There are flights almost every day leaving with 100 or more olim, and it's working. It could work faster, mm -hmm. but it's working. And considering it's only been three weeks, it's pretty amazing. Wow, thank God. Uh, we have succeeded so far in kosher in the kitchen in one of the hotels. Mm -hmm. So at least one hotel has strictly kosher food, and I hope to do more. Um, my aim is that by Pesach, everything should be, should be kosher. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one group. And somebody told me last week, it's like about 40% of the Jews leaving. I have no idea where he had the percentage, but maybe he's right. Then there's two other groups. There's another group that have relatives living somewhere outside of the Ukraine right. or and outside of Israel who don't want to go to Israel. They want to go to family, some in Poland, a lot in Germany, the United States, France, Holland, Canada, 
wherever. Mm-hmm. And so now it's family reunification. And so they're here for a few days till they figure out where they can go next. Then the last group are people who don't want to go to Israel, people who don't have relatives somewhere or don't want to go to those relatives. And they, for now, they want to stay here. Mm-hmm. In part, they want to stay here. They want to see what's going to happen. If they could go back. Ukraine is their home. Right. They want to they, eventually go back. They're thinking about going back. They mm-hmm. just have no idea what they're going back to. Also, a very important reason is that people don't want to be far so far away from their husbands, their fathers, their sons. Of course. They want to at least be close in Poland, the neighboring country. They don't want to go all the way to Holland. Right. I had a situation last week where uh, a rabbi from Holland called me and says, I have a bus at the border right now, 39 extra seats. I could take 39 people right now, 39 Jews to Holland. We'll take care of them. We'll set them up in a house. We'll get them work papers. We'll take care of them. Wow. And people weren't ready to go yet. Right. Yeah, they because, said, mm-hmm. we want to stay close to home. Right. And so what's really important in this situation is for give people the space and the, 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 the stability to make those life decisions. And, and let's say, uh, I know you don't have exact statistics, but the 40% that are making Aliyah, so they're going without their fathers and husbands. No, their, their fathers and husbands are fighting in, in the Ukraine. Correct. So Correct. the goal, I guess, is to go back to the Ukraine afterwards or that their husbands will eventually meet them in Israel, please God. You know, they don't, it depends. Every family is different. I don't think people really know right now. Right. You know, and a lot of people going to Israel have family there already. Gotcha. So, and there are all kinds of, you know. Um, and what are we talking about? Stories. For example, today, yeah. uh, I, I was in Jeshuv today, which is four hours away by car from Warsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the closest place with the real airport to the border. Uh, there was an elderly Holocaust a survivor couple that came out. They were able to get them out of the Ukraine. Their daughter was able to get them out there in their early 90s. Wow. Not in the best of health, to put it mildly. They went in a bus for over 24 hours to the border. Oh, my gosh. The, um, the Israelis were able to come into the Ukrainian side, take them across the border to make it much easier. They stayed for a few days in the biggest town close to the border called Pshemishal. You know, Pshemishal, Shemit. Yeah, this, yeah. You know, we, we know that place from history. And today they were able, through, through the Israeli, it's Hatzalah Lalog Vulot, Rescuers Without Borders, were able to contact uh, someone that works with them who has his own plane. And he flew it in from Geneva into Jeshuv in order to be able to take these people directly to Israel. So they wouldn't have to then go from Jeshuv to Warsaw on a commercial flight uh, and to to, uh, wow. to avoid that kind of extra. Wow. that's beautiful. Uh, but there was a problem. There's always a problem, right? Nothing ever goes smoothly. There's always a, what was the problem? Small problem. Their passports had expired. <laughs> now there is a Ukrainian embassy in Warsaw. To put it slightly, they're slightly overwhelmed. <laughs> you think? Right? Yeah. So okay. um, now, Israel was ready to accept them. The question was, Poland has accepted people into the country with no passports. 
But it wasn't clear yet would they let anybody out of the country without a passport. Mm -hmm. So thanks to a, a contact I have with the Vice Minister of Interior, he gave um, his decision to the border, the, border, the border guards and the passport control people that, yes, you should let them out. And then once we were having these two, and this is the concept of mitzvah, gorerit mitzvah, one mitzvah kind of pulls along another mitzvah, then there was another woman, not a Holocaust survivor, born right after the war, but with a heart problem. Hmm. And they, they got her across the border last night to join together with this elderly couple. They should go on the plane together. So we had the elderly couple and the daughter and the woman born right after the war and her granddaughter. And this morning they found another person, a, a Jewish refugee who wanted to make Aliyah, but has a passport. She's eight months pregnant. So we put her on the plane also. <laughs> they offered to put me on the plane, but I felt I had to come back to Warsaw. It was a shame. Wow. Almost, I, I could have been almost in Israel at this point. And so I went down there because in these situations, you never know what's going to happen. Although everything was taken care of, I wanted to be there on the spot. And it wow. was amazing to be able to see these people. And I was talking to the elderly couple. He says, yes, you know, we have six grandchildren in Ashdod. We have six great grandchildren. Oh my gosh! So imagine they can—they all be together. Is this? Are you seeing this? Like as a rabbi who has served literally all over the world, uh, is just like a crazy kind of kibbutz galios, which is the Hebrew term for, you know, the ingathering of the exiles. This is—it's not exactly the way the prophets envisioned this happening. You know, Putin <laughs> attacking uh, Ukraine, and then all of a sudden now this like aliyah from. Poland, I mean, what, what do you, what's going through your mind as a rabbi here? Very good question. And my answer is not going to be a good one. I try very hard not to think about it. I hear you. I hear you. Because, so I'll share something with you. Mm -hmm. Colleague to colleague and the other few people listening in. Um, we got, we got to the airport we got through, we, it, it, there were two ambulances. I drove in one of the ambulances. We came right onto the tarmac. We got to the plane. Then, then they had to check the passports. It was a few minutes. And I urgently had to go to the bathroom. The problem is, is that I'm now on the other side of passport control, which I never went through. So I'm not supposed to go back in the building. So I looked at one of the border guards and said, guys, come on. You gotta let, I said, sure, yeah, go on in. And I, I, I went to the facilities and I went to wash my face and I started to cry. Hmm. Just, right, just you know, seeing you. these elderly Jews under the most bizarre situations flying in this, excuse me, gorgeous private plane. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. They deserve Very it. nice private plane. Yeah. Thanks to Mr. Gutmann from Geneva. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I, I know right now I can't make sense of it because wow. if I really think about it right now, all I can really do is cry. Wow. And some of them are, are tears of pain and some of them are tears of we actually able to help somebody. Well, you're, uh, I don't want to say you're at the right place at the right time because look where you are. But I, I will say this, that, you know, they are so lucky our people are so lucky to have you where you are because 
your whole life, Rabbi Shudrick, has been invested in trying to rebuild, restore, revive, you know, one, one of the greatest Jewish communities that ever lived for maybe the lo longest period of time, Polish Jewry. And I just think it's so powerful what you were saying before, that this was a place where people were fleeing, our people were fleeing from, now people are fleeing too. It's incredible. Um, any other um, important Torah messages or lessons that have emerged oof, from this whole situation that you can share with us? Because we're, and, and I also want to know, like, you know, the decent amount of guilt. You know, there's some groups from the United States. We're raising money. We're doing what we can. What, what else should we be doing? Sitting on our hands here, just watching CNN, Fox, whatever. Um, what else do you think we should be doing in America? Raising money is actually very important mm -hmm. because with, with a certain exception, if someone is a medical doctor and has some time to come here physically and to stay at the border for a week or 10 days, that can really help. They're mm -hmm. shorthanded on medical, not medics, not first responders, doctors. Mm -hmm. That I know from Hatzalah Logvulov. The other thing that we really need are Russian-speaking psychologists because these people have gone through horrific trauma mm -hmm. and we've done some training from our people not really to do therapy but at least intervention what should you say what shouldn't you say but we need more of that mm -hmm. and then why money is so important and that is because i know people want to do like a drive of clothing which is so beautiful and is so meaningful but then you have to ship it. And if right. you're going to ship it by boat, it'll get here in four to six weeks. Right. If you ship it by air, it's a lot of money. What makes a lot more sense. And, and I realize it's I want to give people a chance to feel they're yeah. physically doing yeah, something. Yeah, but, you, but, but you're saying but right, now we have to be, right now we right. have to be efficient. And, and you, where said, would you... you could send money here directly. And we go to the store. We still have everything in Poland. We go to the store, we can buy whatever, whatever we need. And the other challenge is, is that the need changes. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't tell this, you know, and the, another thing I shouldn't tell. Right now, one of, the, one of the hotels, people had stomach problems. We had to get stomach medicine. You know, we don't know. We may never need that again. So we don't know what we're going to need. By sending money, you give us flexibility. The sure. other thing that was very interesting that I heard that was really missing was women's underwear. Because yeah, no one had the chutzpah to right. send women's underwear. And people fled. I saw what these people fled with. Right. They fled with a suitcase smaller than my carry-on. And that was their life's belongings. But she just but, couldn't take more. But let's say we took, let's say at MG, I know it sounds strange, we took up a collection of women's underwear. But you're going to have the same shipping issues, no? Yes. Wouldn't it be better just for you to have cash to buy it on your own? So let me, and where, and where the same you... thing, even with kosher food, we are working right now for Pesach that we need certain things, but that we're working directly with the Sochnut, with the Jewish agency. I was on the phone with them today and we'll just, we're just going to bring in a whole lot from Israel in one shot and finish. Uh, I hope I figured out a way how to do it very reasonably. I don't want to say, but I have, I'm working on an idea, but also a lot of the food we could buy here. A matter of fact, in terms of buying meat, 
a lot of the meat you buy, a lot of the kosher meat you buy in Israel, France, Germany, mm-hmm. England today mm-hmm. is shechted here. In so, Poland. You know, yeah, it's <laughs> Poland. Poland's now a major place for shechita. Wow, we, had a, a, we had something a few years ago about wanting them to try to ban shechita. Um, the Jewish community took it to the uh, high, the Supreme Court. We won in the Supreme Court, and now it's un, there's no there's no limitation. So we are actually supplying many countries with their kosher meat, which means we have a lot of meat here, wow. but we need to have the resources to buy it. And, and what charity do you recommend? You say you need okay. cash. So wh- where can we send the cash? Okay. Everybody's got their favorite charity, and someone's got their favorite charity. They should give through that charity and say they want it for the Ukraine. If someone wants to hear what is my favorite charity, yeah. that I can tell you because they're all wonderful and they're all good. And that is FJC. It's a, it's a, an abbreviation for Foundation for Jewish Community. Dash uh, Jewish Community of Poland Fund. Dash Ukrainian Crisis. Okay, hold on. Let's do this again. FJC. Keep going. Dash yeah. Jewish Community of Poland Fund. Jewish Community. Is this like one word? No, no separate words. Separate right. words. Okay. Jewish space, community space. Okay. Uh, Jewish Community of Poland Fund. Right. The hyphen Ukrainian crisis. Okay. All right. We're going to... Uh... We're going to post that FJC slash Jewish community of Poland fund hyphen Ukrainian crisis. Okay. And I can give you right now, if you want, just to make it easy. Yeah. If you can can send a link, you could go to FJC.org and do it online. Or if people want to send a check, it's just FJC 31 West 34th street, 31 West 34th street suite. 8026. I'm going to keep it New York, online. New York. I'm going to keep it online. 10001. So, so if people want to do it online, just fjc.org or. or make, they have to make sure they put in that whole long thing Jewish Community of Poland Fund dash Ukrainian Crisis. All right, I got to get the link so I can just post that link. I'll right. go on. I'll and go then, on. But it's important that they put in that. And this part I don't want to go on the podcast. Why it's so important to write. If it doesn't say Ukrainian crisis, I'll get it. But I negotiated with them because it's a normal fund and they take 4%. They do all my tax returns. They do all the accounting. I wish it was 2%, but okay, I agree to it. But when this started, I said to them, guys, you can't take the 4% for the Ukrainian crisis. Mm-hmm. And after a little bit back and forth, they agreed. Okay. So good. if you put in Ukrainian crisis, then it's really a hundred percent going directly to the. So I, I don't want. I don't want to edit. I don't. There's no reason to edit that. That's that people should hear that because that will encourage people to give more. I'm telling you, everybody knows that when you're paying online, some percentage is being taken by the credit card company. Yeah. No, that this is a hundred percent. PayPal. Right. There's also a PayPal link. I don't know about PayPal. Right. PayPal may take their regular. That, that I didn't try to negotiate. Right. I ran out of time. Wow. But um. Incredible. Really incredible. Rabbi Shudrick, thank you for your time. I, I can't even imagine what this situation would look like. I have one other question. Do yes, you have please. any idea about numbers? Uh, what are we talking about? When we, we There are two million, you're saying two out of the three million refugees created by this invasion are in Poland now. How many of yeah, those? About are seven, they say about 75%. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Um, the mayor, the mayor the, of Warsaw... Well, I'm sorry. 
I'm so what what's the percentage of that are Jews? I'm just trying to get a handle on this. Well, they say up to 200,000 Jews out of 40, 40 million, which means about a half a percent. So right. if you if if we say that Jews are just you know statistically represented, then it would be a half a percent of 2 million, mm -hmm. which is what 20,000 I think. Right. No, is right. 10,000. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is, it's and I also want to say that right now, anyone that comes to us, we help. We are not asking, are you Jewish or not Jewish? Mm -hmm. If you want to have an Aliyah Shabbos morning, we ask. <laughs> but we also assume that you know, non-Jews aren't coming. Although we did have a couple of non-Jews that came for Borum. They said, you know, we work for the Jewish community in place X, and we love Purim, so we wanted to come. I said, great, wonderful, welcome. Uh, and... It's beautiful. I mean, right now, these people are, are running for their lives. Yeah. And therefore, it is our responsibility to help them. When we were running for our lives 80 years ago, we had to turn to strangers. Yeah. Now is our time to help strangers save their lives. Wow. Thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Hashem should bless you with continued success. Now is our time to help strangers. Um, I, I, I can't think of a more appropriate way of, of uh, bringing our conversation to a close and to, again, express our Hakarat Tov, our communal gratitude for the amazing work that you're doing. I'm going to post the link for the charity and put out the word. You're looking for doctors, not first responders, Russian-speaking psychologists, women's underwear, and no, cash. no, women's underwear, send the money because send the money. what's going to happen is we literally know, you know, this person needs size X, you know, yeah, yeah, A yeah. and this side yeah. B and size B. And we then can actually go and buy what they need. Right. And it's, okay. it's, it's, it's much more effective. We have so far and what we don't need right now, as frustrating as it is for me to say, mm -hmm. we don't need regular volunteers because unless people speak fluent Russian or fluent Polish, it's, they're going to have a communication issue. And right now, our guys are volunteering. My guess is we may start needing foreign volunteers in a month when right, my so, guys burn out. So and I'm worried about that. So let's, maybe we can be in touch because uh, I know there was a group from Yeshiva University that went, um, your alma mater, um, that came recently, not to Poland, they went to Vienna, um, but there was a group of rabbis. But you know, um, when you need hands-on assistance, uh, please let us know because maybe we okay. can. Uh... We will. Right now, we're, we're holding up. And I also see this as it's very important for our community to learn to give. As I said, for the first time in hundreds of years, we're not the crisis, we're the management center. We're the man right.